Our limitations, self-doubt, and limiting beliefs about ourselves. Why do we give them so much power? I'm Simon Caruso, and this is the Limitless Man Podcast, speaking to those who doubted their own doubts and overcame limitations to pursue their very own limitless potential. Welcome to the podcast, guys. Today's guest is John Lester. John's an inspiration because he was 53 years old when he decided, you know what, I want to act upon a dream that I had when I was a child, and that dream was to become a self-published author. And four years on at age 57, he has 70 books that are self-published on Amazon and a number of other platforms as well. So the reason I'm excited to share this podcast is because the guy's in his 50s and he made a decision to change and to act upon something that he's been thinking about since he was a child. And I think that gives hope to a lot of people who want to pursue something but perhaps haven't. And the other interesting thing about this podcast as well is that he talks about how his health became aligned with his thoughts and he was able to get that in check. He was addicted to sugar. He dropped like 30 kilos, which is a fantastic effort, but he's kept it off and he's got a lifestyle now where he embraces his health and he embraces this this new lease of life, which, again, is, is just so inspiring. So the conversation kicks off with him just telling his story, telling us about the first steps towards moving from where he was to where he is today. Enjoy the podcast, guys. Thank you. Okay, well, I'm 57, and I live in Vancouver, British Columbia, and I always felt my whole life that I was meant to do something creative with it. When I was a boy, I wanted to be a comic book artist. I was a very avid comic book reader. I had a huge collection, and I drew every day. But then I decided, you know, drawing all the windows in a building and drawing all the stars on Wonder Woman's uh, underwear just wasn't appealing to me. So I gave that up. And then I tried acting for a couple of years. Um, There was a show in the 1960s called The Big Valley. And one of the stars of that show, Peter Breck, he came to Vancouver and he started an acting school called the Breck Academy. And that was an amazing experience. I studied acting with him and under another man named Douglas Newell for about two years. Uh, Gene, I don't mean to name drop. But which, which is exactly what I'm about to do. But Gene Hackman came to the Academy and uh, Richard Dreyfus came to the Academy. They had worked with Peter, I think, on other projects. And I was really going for it. I had an agent and I was going to auditions. I was an extra in Rocky Four for one day. That was wild. Uh, the big fight at the end was shot at the Agridome in Vancouver. But unfortunately, and I don't mean to play the world's smallest violin, but I've always had very dry skin. And uh, my psoriasis began to manifest itself more and more. And so it just got to the point, I don't mean to gross you out, Simon, or the listeners of your podcast, and I know this is, I'm not the only person in the world who has this affliction, but um, basically it's just some people, our bodies create more dry skin than what is what would be considered natural. So for me, it just got to the stage where like literally pieces of skin were coming off my face. Mm. And I was beginning to feel more like a reptile than a human being. And of course, that is not the worst thing in the world. There are many worse things than psoriasis, but it doesn't do a lot for one's self-confidence or particularly when it comes to uh, romantic relationships. So I I tried a variety of treatments with very little uh, success. Of course, as we talked about before, I'm a recovering sugarholic. And at that time, at, at that stage in my life, I was just pounding down junk food like crazy. I was very overweight. You know, at one point, I think I topped out at 250 pounds in my mid-30s. And I've been working as a security guard for the last 35 years. And at a certain point, I just, I had it in my mind's eye. And it's so crazy because I'd read all of these self-help books. Do you know Anthony Robbins? 
And yeah. uh, Deepak Chopra and uh, D, uh, Deepak Chopra and Wayne Dyer and Stuart Wilde is another one from the UK. I, you know, I read these self-help books and I found them to be very, uh, I don't feel like doing any of that was a waste of time. I found it to be all very um, uplifting and, and energizing, but I was too emotionally invested in this sort of, um, this, this niche that I carved out for myself where I was just working my job and coming home after work and plonking myself down on the couch. And what am I going to have for dinner tonight? Pizza or KFC? And, and just watching my DVDs, watching my VHS tips. VHS tapes and then my DVDs and then finally my Netflix for a while. And then, and I don't want to paint a picture. I don't mean to paint a picture of myself as a recluse or a pariah. I, you know, I've always had friends. I've always had, I've had relationships here and there and, and I I've had a semblance of a social life, but I'd say about 65% of it or so just pulling out a number at random, a pretty vicarious existence and certainly a non-productive existence. The one constant in my life, here and there sporadically during the first 53 years has been writing. You know, I've always had it in my mind's eye that I could write at least one decent book. So around 2005, I created this character called Lee Hacklin. He's a private investigator, and most of his stories take place during the 1970s and the 1980s. And I just popped off like a whole bunch of short stories, these kind of 10 or 15 page long short stories for my own amusement more than anything else at work. I was just working at one particular job site where I wasn't stimulated. And so I wrote these stories for my own amusement. And then I just shoved them in my bedroom where they collected dust and the pages curled and yellowed for about 10 years or 15 years. And then one day about three years ago, and here's where the story might get a little bit weird for some people. And I I certainly don't want you or any of your listeners to think that I'm standing on a soapbox or preaching. I'm just sharing my story. I'm just sharing what worked for me. Yeah. I came home from work one day and I guess I was feeling very depressed and I was feeling like, well, this is as good as my life is going to get. I've had my 20s, my 30s and 40s, and I just can't seem to get anything really meaningful going. But I've always had it in my mind's eye that I was capable. I look at the most successful people in the world. And what I mean by successful is people who are able to to make a good living for themselves doing the thing that they love doing most. Because my hallucination, my hallucination, easy for me to say, is that most people are not doing that. I don't think that most people are making a living doing the thing that they want to do the most. And so I re- what I did was I reached out to God. I literally said, God, I don't know if you're real. I do, I've, I've heard about you my whole life, and I've always been something of an agnostic. But I have to be honest with myself. I can't do this by myself. I'm never going to be the John Leister that I want to be unless I have someone cheering me on. And so that's how I define my relationship with God. He's like Yoda in Luke Skywalker's Ruckstat in Empire Strikes Back, whispering in my ear all the time, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, for goodness sakes, John, you, you were not meant to be a security guard. You were meant to do more than that. So what I did was, I, and this was about, I guess, four years ago, I dusted off these Lee Hacklin short stories, like literally blew dust off of them and read them. And it was, I don't, I don't know if you do any creative writing. I see a lot of books on your bookshelf there. But I, I, had, I developed this theory was that if you read something as if you, someone else had written them and you're enjoying them, well, for goodness sakes, I mean, I know they're not great literature, but it can't be the worst stuff in the world. And so that was the beginning for me. I, I, put, I collected these stories together and they became my first book, The Collected Cases, Lee Hackman, 1970s Private Investigator, book one. Hang on, I'll catch my breath for a second. And it was a tremendous uphill battle for me just to get that first book posted. Initially, I dealt with Amazon. And I'm not, you know, I was, I don't know how old you are. I'm, like I said, I'm 57. I'm and I was alive, I was alive at a time when none of this stuff existed, none of this technology. Okay. So I, I always, can I, can I, like, I just stop you for a sec? Sure, I want to know about please. the first yeah. book. You, you said that it was challenging to get it on. So how did you get yes. it on? 
How, how did you okay, get the first so- one? I would, I would go to the library, you know, I didn't in my mind's eye, three clicks of a mouse and boom, you're a self-published author. And yeah. it's, a, it's an important life lesson that when we begin these exciting journeys for ourselves, and it's, I think this is important maybe for some of your listeners, have it in your mind's eye. I know I say that a lot, that there are going to be hiccups along the way that you won't anticipate. And it's okay. You just accept them. You accept that as part of the journey. And I think that if I had started doing this three years ago, and if I didn't have God in my life, Knowing myself who I was, I would have given up after two or three tries. But because I had taken this leap of faith, which some people may consider fanciful, and I get that, I like consider myself a fairly empirical fellow myself. Mm. But I made that choice for myself, almost like Big Brother from 1984. Like Big Brother is watching you, but in a good way, you know, not in a harsh, punitive way. Like, okay, are you gonna are you gonna give up? Or are you gonna stay the course? And so finally, after about a month of like continuously going to the library and asking for help and calling Amazon. And, and them telling me that you're, 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 you're entering the wrong banking information. And I would go to the bank and they would say, no, it was the right information. And I was spinning my wheels and losing my mind. And then finally, on one magical day, this window came up on the screen. Congratulations, your ebook has been published. And have you seen the movie Billy Elliot? I haven't seen Billy Elliot, no. You know what that is? It's a movie about a boy who wants to be a ballet dancer in the early 1970s. And his dad is, a, he lives in a very hard bitten mining town in England. And so in any event, his dad uh, uh, takes him to a ballet uh, school to audition for. And the auditioners ask him, well, Billy, how do you feel when you dance? And he says, well, I feel like electricity. And that's how I felt when I posted that first book. And it was a very unusual feeling for me because I think that some people, you know, they, they go through lives, they have that feeling, you know, they begin a task and they accomplish it and then they move on to the next thing. And that's, and that is a good way to go through life and whatever, again, whatever hiccups happen along the way, you just accept that as part of the journey. That was not my late motif. My, my late motif had a tendency to be try something problem. And of course, the psoriasis was a big factor too. And by the way, just as a sidebar, after I reached out to God, my diet changed dramatically. Like suddenly vegetables starting to look very attractive to me. Mm-hmm. And that's when the weight started to come off and I started working out. I started, I've always been interested in exercise, but I really became very committed to it. I mean, I've been lifting those weights two, three times a week for the last three years now, mm-hmm. because I think that if you have God in your life, and again, it's just my belief, it's what I call Johnny's way. What happens is there's this being that's pure love and, and he loves you unconditionally for who you are. If you have that in your mind, then you will love yourself. And if you love yourself, and I think that is the key, then there is nothing to stop you from manifesting your bliss, whatever it is. So now it's, it's three years later, and I've got about 80 books online now. I mean, I call them books. I call them novels. Some of them are really glorified short stories. Uh, the one I, fin- I finished another one today. It's called Lee Hacklin. Plug, plug, plug. It's called Lee Hacklin, 1970s Private Investigator in, uh, I can't even remember the name. Oh, Live and Russian Roulette Die. That's the name of this one. And it came in at about 100 pages. So, you know, I think of them as glory. The other stories are as long as they need to be. And so now I'm at a point in my life where I don't think I can go to bed now without cranking out at least a couple of pages in my dollar store duo tank. For me, it would be akin to going to bed without brushing and flossing my teeth. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an important life lesson that maybe some of us, in spite of our advanced years, need to remind ourselves of from time to time, which is if you do something every day, and you have it in your mind's eye that you're enjoying it, then it becomes a habit, whether mm-hmm. it's exercise or, or, or working on your business or starting a podcast or getting a degree. Just remind yourself, if I was struggling to do this, if it was a struggle for me to write, then I wouldn't do it. Then you'd be interviewing somebody else right now. But it's yeah. my bliss. Every time I start writing, I make myself laugh. 
Sometimes I make myself cry or I discover something new about these characters that I've been writing for the last three years. You never know what you're capable of until you actually do it. You know, I was, I was on another podcast and, and the host said to me that he had taken his 13-week course on self-publishing. And he said he did absolutely nothing with it. And I said, you know, that's interesting. If I had done it that way, I probably would, wouldn't, wouldn't have any books on Lightroom now because I'd be inundated with all of this information. I think if you want to be an architect or a neurosurgeon or, or an engineer, you know, you have to go to an accredited school, right? There's no other way. You have to get that's a formal right. yeah. education. Yeah. But when it comes to self-publishing, for me, the way that I did it, I think is the better way. You just jump into the deep end of the pool. You ask people to help you if you can. And thank God for libraries. I, I was constantly coming into the library and I would see some of the staff and they looking like, oh, God, here he comes again. The middle aged technophobe. You know, we have to sit next to him and hold his hand while, while he tries to get a stupid book. That, sorry, just that. While he tries to get a stupid book that nobody cares about uploaded. I mean, thank God for libraries, because if it wasn't for them, I think I'd still be trying to post that book. Can I and ask so, you something on that? Sure, you please, said you reached please. out to people. How accommodating were people? Oh, very. Because a lot, of, a lot of the time, I think we're reluctant to ask for help when yeah. we'd like to. Like we see someone yeah. doing something, we think, wow, we'd, I'd love to be doing that or I'd love to talk to that person. What's your experience been? Because I know you can't do all this. You can't do this stuff on your own. You no. need assistance and you need I guidance think, from I, those people, you know? I think this tends to be a guy thing. You know, we're men and we want to be self-sufficient and, you know, we want to just sort of jump in and, and we, we don't like to ask people for help. I, I think that some of us have a perception that it's a sign of weakness, which is the dumbest thing. That's our egos. And sometimes in life, we have to put our egos on the shelf if we want to manifest our dreams. You know, somebody said, was it John Dunn? No man is an island. I was living like an island for many years. Again, just living this very vicarious existence. When I began to love myself, and, and not being afraid to ask people to help me. And I think this is important. You have to demonstrate to people that you're worth helping, right? Yeah. It's, it's fine to ask someone to help you, right? If you need mm -hmm. the help. But you also have to show them that, 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 that's, that you're worth their time and energy, yeah. right? So I think a lot of these library staff, they saw how genuine I was. And how, you know, I was very unfailingly polite the whole time, always thanking them and expressing gratitude. You know, not, hopefully not coming across as too anxious. But they saw how determined I was to get this done. So they were all too happy to stop doing whatever it is. And when they wanted to publish that book, it's like, hey, come over here. Hey, 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 look, it's finally on the screen. You know, they're patting me on the back and congratulating me. And, and maybe it inspired some of them too. You know, and, and some of the feedback that I've gotten from some people over the years has been negative. And that's another heads up for some of your listeners out there who are thinking about doing this. I've had to disengage from a few people that I really care about. I mean, one of them actually said to me at a social setting, he actually said to me, don't talk about your books. Mm. I think that, and, and I guess he, I mean, I'm not a mind, none of us are mind readers, but I think he feels that I'm boasting or bragging or, or beating my chest. And that's not, it. I'm just sharing, you know, I love to hear about other people's success stories or, or if they're just starting off, if they're, you know, doing something different with their life, yeah. you know, moving in a direction that's more in sync. You know, we procrastinate. Some of us procrastinate sometimes, right? But yep. that doesn't mean you have to procrastinate your whole life. And some of us have to hit, as you said earlier, emotional bottom. I think that's what happened to me three years ago. I just realized, you know, I'm 53. I'm not 103. I'm pretty healthy for a 53-year-old guy. And I have a wit or two about me. I think that's really all you need. I mean, look at Christopher Reeve. When he fell off his horse and had, had his accident and he became paralyzed from the neck down, he was, he was directing movies. Mm. He was acting. 
He was making public appearances. I mean, he was living his life in a way that many people were not paralyzed, you know, from the neck down, who were yeah. just content to couch potatoes. You just I have ask to you. I want to ask you about that. Just the emotional bottom that you brought up again. Sure. So I think that that can be different for everybody. So how did it look for you? Because I don't think you necessarily need to hit, you know, a, a rock bottom in the sense where you lose everything. But however, mm. I call it an awakening, really, or a realization oh, yeah. at some point. You know, yeah. how did that look for you? Like, can you describe that bottom sure. for you, and then sort of I, I how you so. worked out of it? Sure. So the awakening for me is that I, I, I realized that that I was spending way too much time by myself, and that I needed to be around other people, and I especially needed to be around other people like myself. I, I, I couldn't care less about anyone's politics or their religion or their lack of religion. I don't care about any of that stuff. But what I like now is hooking up with people like yourself yeah. who have this positive energy, who, who, who are manifesting their dreams, regardless of how much money it makes or doesn't make them, or regardless of what other people uh, think, just doing it because they're being true to themselves. So for me, just just to answer your question, I, I hope this answers your question. Yeah. For me, the awakening was just the realization, you know, I, I can't do this anymore. I've seen all these shows and listened to all the audio commentaries and watched all mm-hmm. the deleted scenes. I can't do this anymore. You reach you just reach a certain point where you know what's coming next. And so I was I was having a lot of fun living my life that way. But it wasn't making me happy. And of course, I would have these little moments of clarity or I would read another self-help book or I, I did kickboxing for a couple of years or, or I would, you know, again, I, I, it was like one step forward, two, two steps back. Yeah. It was like a siren call, the TV and the DVDs and the pizza and the KFC and all my, all my sugary snacks that I used to eat. Like I said earlier, it's, it's, I thank God I didn't give myself type 2 diabetes. I want, to, I want to diet- talk about, I want to talk about the health, the health as well, sure. because you mentioned before that really that coincided to when you had that that moment, you know, that awakening yeah. where you were going to move and actually do something by pursuing a dream that you had since you were a child. So with the addiction to sugar, because addiction can come in many forms and sugar addiction is one of the most common in, in society. It's pretty rife. Obesity, yeah. diabetes, it's, it's all over the place now. But how did you actually... How did you deal with that? Because, and were you using that initially for comfort? Like, how did you find you ended up in that situation? Because I know once you sort of shifted your thinking, you were able to move out of it. But leading up to that, why were you, why do you think you were using sugar and food as that escape? Well, I mean, it was my drug. You know, it just made me feel good it, or it gave me pleasure. Um, That's a good question. I I don't know if I can really give you a succinct answer. I mean, even when I was a kid, you know, I was I was always I guess like like most kids, I was always eating a lot of sugar and it just gave me maybe it it, it, it boosted my serotonin level. I I don't know. But I remember when I first moved into my first apartment when I was 19 years old. I mean, I'd go to the supermarket and just all I would buy was, you know, cookies and, and mm. ice cream and, and just all the bad stuff. And once in a while, I would, I would have like a token piece of broccoli or something like that. But it was just my, it was my drug. I mean, for some people, it's heroin. It, it produces a, a temporary feeling, a, a short-term temporary feeling of pleasure. Mm. And of course, you have it in your mind's eye that when you do this, you know in advance how you're going to feel. 
for a little while, you're going to feel good. You're going to feel a sense of satisfaction. And then you wake up the next morning and you're bloated and you can't get out of bed and you have no energy and you say to yourself, oh my God, I can't, you know, the, the remorse, the remorse of the next, of the next morning. And, and how many people say to themselves, I'll never do that again. And of course, and then you see, you wind up, and this is something that I learned in therapy. I was in therapy for you. And my therapist told me, you know, if you live your life in this flip-flop where you're like super healthy for a while, because I had these little windows where I would eat healthy here and there, but it didn't take. It would last yeah. maybe a couple of weeks or a month at the longest, and then and then I would fall back. Yeah. He said it's better just to just to like have it's all tied into emotion. It's all tied into how we feel about ourselves. Mm. Okay, how about this? If you accept yourself as who you are unconditionally, then why would you do something to yourself? that you know in advance is going to give yourself long-term yeah. pain, right? In exchange for a, a brief moment of pleasure. And I think that the older we get, and I think that for me, be getting older and becoming more aware of the finiteness of time, it's like when you work on a project and you have a deadline. If you don't have a deadline, it's probably going to take you longer mm. to finish that project, right? But yeah. if, you, if there's going to be some terrible consequence, if you don't get it done, that's going to motivate you to do it. And so that's how I feel right now. And so I think that all those years that I spent being a couch potato and pounding down all of this, all of this junk food, I think that made God very sad. I, mean, I think God was sitting up there in heaven or if he's all around us or wherever he is. I don't claim to know. It's just my faith. It's like, yeah. John, buddy, my son, my child, why are you doing this to yourself? You're a good, I gave you this creative brain and you're just letting it sit in your skull, you know, share it with the world and never mind what they think. Just do it for yourself. Did you feel like you always had this thing to share? You mentioned that as a young kid, you loved writing and you loved that creative part of what you had. Did you realize that forever? And it was just, yeah. you were waiting, were you waiting for the right time? Were you to do something with it? I know, I know that obviously you're doing what you're doing now, but for someone, let's say, who's thinking about doing something and, and they might have this idea or a talent or something that they've been thinking about for, for many years, how can they take just one step towards, you know, breaking their the limitation that they might be putting on themselves? Maybe they've got a fear that they're not good enough to do it, but it's something that they know in their heart that they really want to do. Did you experience those feelings at all? Um, yeah, I mean, all the time. But the feelings that I got from passively watching what other people were doing was more was more real. Yeah. Whereas the idea of me creating my own stuff. It's like, well, you know, is this really a good investment of time? You know, is this really worth it? Are people going to like it? Am I just wasting my time? I didn't have it in my mind's eye when I was a younger man. Just do it for myself. So any of you, any listeners to your podcast who, who are thinking about doing this and want to, want to do this, this might sound a little bit corny, but here's, here's what I think is a good default position. Never mind what you did yesterday. Never mind what you think you're going to do tomorrow. Stuart Wilde had this concept called the eternal now which is when we start thinking about the past or worrying about the future, we feel weak, like a video game character, like we're losing power. All of our power exists in the here and now. I love the fact that you and I are having this conversation right now. We're exchanging ideas. I could be at home right now watching Netflix or pounding down junk food like I used to do. I'd rather be doing this. I'd rather be engaged with another person because I, I like to think that I have something to talk about. I have something to share and I want to learn from other people too. And my, but my default position is that I love myself. I believe that God is this perfect being. I believe that he's a wellspring of everything around us. And if people think that's totally crazy, that's fine. You know, whatever works for you. This is what works for me. And I am an aspect 
of that perfect creation. Therefore, I have something to offer. And to everybody listening to, to this podcast, just go with what you're already good at. Go with what, if you feel like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what choice to make, especially when you're young. You know, some kids know exactly what they want. I had a friend that I grew up with who always wanted to be an engineer. He knew when he was a little kid that he wanted. And guess what? He became an engineer. Yeah. You know? And I really envy that. Like some people just come into the world knowing exactly what they want and they do it. Right? Yeah. It's easy peasy. Yeah. But for some of us, it's a little more complicated. I had, a, I had a rough childhood. I don't mean, again, playing the world's smallest yeah. violin. Yeah. I had a very abusive dad. And, and he had a terrible temper. And my mom and I were always walking on eggshells. And so I kind of grew up with this feeling that this was a normal state to be. You know, you should be fearful and skittish around people and don't be trusting and, you know, don't give away your trust and all of that. You know, I wasn't allowed to go trick-or-treating on Halloween because people put razor blades and apples and candy. But this is what I grew up with. I grew up yeah. with this very fear bouncing off the walls. Now, I, I love my parents. They were good people. They were good providers. But they had their, their philosophy was weak. Yep. They had a weak philosophy. And by the time I was in my 20s and I was reaching out to to these other writers like 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 Anthony Robbins and reading this stuff, it made sense to me. But the, the weak philosophy was embedded. It's kind of like dye in your shirt. Right. It's like it's hard. To, it's hard to wash out for some people. Yeah, because you live your life. as You have a certain mindset. It's, it's not going to change overnight. It's going to change. It's like getting a university degree. You're not going to get it overnight. It's You're going to get it incrementally. It's mm. going to take four years. Again, the important thing is just enjoy the journey. Never mind where it takes you. And also be open to, to you know, very, it's like you're on a ship and sometimes it's smooth sailing. And other times it's choppy waters, right? And other mm. times there's a, there's a hole in the boat and you feel like the ship is sinking. You, en you enjoy all of that. You tell yourself in advance, and I think this is the most important thing, that it's worth it, right? Yeah, no, I if agree everybody, with what you're saying, yeah. You know, if I read a bunch of reviews, I got one five-star Amazon for one of my books on Amazon from a total stranger. It's one of the greatest days of my life. But if I got a bunch of reviews on Amazon or whatever, I used Draft to Digital now, and they all thought they all gave me zero stars, I would still do what I'm doing. Do you and have? I would read those. And I would read those reviews, and I tried to get something positive out of them that might make yeah. me, might make me a better writer. You've read you've. You've written seventy books, right? So and counting. So obviously you're yeah. still you're still writing every day. Do you have people yeah. helping you today? Like, do you have coaches? Do no. you have mentors? Do you have anyone? Nothing. Not no. Okay. This is a one. This is a one man enterprise. Yeah. And and I live for the day when I can actually have an editor. I since I started doing this, I really I when I was a kid reading comic books, I'd be like, well, I get what the writer does and I get what the artist does, but what does the editor do? Editor do? Oh boy, you know, do I ever get that now? Because I know that all of my stories, you know, I'd like to go back and tweak them. You know, there's typographical errors or there's grammatical errors or there's continuity inconsistencies. You know, my Lee Hacklins, he jumps all over time. Some of them are in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. And if I ever have any fans, God bless them. I'm sure some of them would be all too happy to point out these, these uh, continuity inconsistencies. But I also feel like that the beauty is a, that the beauty, the imperfections are part of the beauty. Because you and I are imperfect. Human beings are imperfect. Right. You can spend and this is another important point. I think you can spend 20 years writing one book, trying to finesse it, trying to get it perfect. I, I think that's a tremendous waste of time. Art is never finished. It's abandoned. You know, like these movie directors, how they have the, like director's cuts, like they release a movie and then two yeah. years later, they release another version. I, I you know what? I think that's it's none of my business. It's fine. But I think that once you put your art, whatever you've created, once you put it out there, you move on to the next thing. That's just my opinion. People can do whatever they want. 
you don't spend you don't spend your whole life trying to make this one thing perfect because mm. it's probably fine at at a certain point you move on to the next thing because otherwise you'll never get it done. Yeah, and in doing that, right? have you found you've changed your style like just by releasing books, book after book after yeah. book? Have you found you've yeah. made these tweaks, these improvements, and you've been able to? Yeah. Do you believe you're a better writer now than you oh. were fifty books ago? You know? I mean, it's <laughs> it's it's hard. That's really hard to be objective about your own abilities. But you I mean, know, I you the, would feel it within yeah. yourself, like because I, if, I look at I look at the stuff that I wrote in my twenties and thirties, and I wouldn't publish it. I wouldn't feed it to a dog. You know, my characters, like I said, I grew up reading comic books, so comic book characters are always explaining themselves. Maybe not so much now. It's become more sophisticated now. But the comic books that I read in the day, very often characters would explain their motivations or explain you know, why do they have powers and why are they wearing a costume and what's their, why are they risking their necks every night fighting crap. And, of course, we don't talk that way in real life. I remember watching Tarantino's films back in the day, like Pulp Fiction and Reservoir Dogs. And, and it just it was those movies to me were very groundbreaking. I thought they were some of my favorite movies because the characters are talking about everything but the plot. Right. They, they're talking the way nor- while all this stuff is all this crazy, insane stuff is going on around them. They're talking about, you know, what a hamburger is called in Italy or whatever it is. And, and that's the way people talk in real life. So that's what I try to do with my characters. Now, the stuff that I wrote in my 20s and 30s, I also think it was very preachy. And and my heroes kind of knew everything and were like telling the other characters what to do and how to behave. And it was just very earnest. Yeah, and okay. so the stuff that I'm writing now is more genre related you know if you're writing a genre story like a detective story mm. the reader has certain expectations you know there's a murder it's a mystery there's going to be some action there's a betrayal there's some humor and and it's not going to be politically correct it's you know if you're if you're a politically correct snowflake i don't imagine you'd be attracted sorry just bad again bad habit that's all i right. don't imagine you'd find, i don't imagine you'd find a hard-bitten detective story you know, very appealing. Yeah. Or if you buy a book called World War Three and there's a tank on the cover, you have an expectation that there's going to be big battles and, and heroism and 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 right. And, but if it's just a bunch of people talking for 200 pages, you're going to feel ripped off. Yeah. So I have that now. I have that. Exp- and it, again, it's because I love the genre myself. So I don't worry about I never worry about being unoriginal. I think when I was younger, that was more a, a block for me. Oh, I can't write. I, I shouldn't try to write anything because whatever I come up with will not be original. Here's an example. Have you seen Kick-Ass? Have you seen that movie? No, I haven't. It's about a teenage boy who wants to be a superhero. He doesn't have powers or anything like that. He just puts on a mask and a suit and he tries to be a Samaritan. Well, I created a character called the Urban Tiger, Tommy Ryder, a.k.a. the Urban Tiger, who also exists in the same universe is lee ackland and they team up sometimes i have a few books where they, they join forces to fight some horrible villain i remember when the kick-ass comic book came out i was brokenhearted because i had this exact same idea you know how superheroes always have very dramatic reasons for doing what they're doing well this kid just decides to do it he just is like i like comic books i like superheroes i'm going to try to do this for real i'm so glad that i didn't listen to my inner monologue of oh i can't do it. you know when when bob when bob kane and bill finger created batman back in the day they they there was Zorro before Batman, right? He's basically the same character. It's a guy who wears a mask and a cape and he fights crime. And during the day, he's a millionaire playboy that yeah. nobody would imagine is right. No matter what you write, it's going to be compared with something that's been done before. What makes it original is that it comes from you or that it comes from me. That's what gives, you know, I could have said to myself, why would I write a series about a private detective? You walk into a bookstore, you go to the mystery section, and there's 8 million books that have already been written. But 
there hasn't been one written by me. And that's what makes a difference. Yeah. Tell us so about Johnny's... Worry about... Sure, go ahead. Yeah, sorry, oh, sorry. I want to know about Johnny's Way on Facebook. Okay. So you started this movement sure. called Johnny's Way. What's like that all about? You movement. get that on Facebook. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I feel like a cult leader a little bit when you say that. But anyway. <laughs> so I, well, it is. Hopefully it's, a, it's, a, it's a concept. A good one. I started this group page I got around the same time about three years ago. And it's not that much different than my, my actual Facebook page, but it's more focused on my philosophy. And I have, I think, 488 members now. And I'm trying to get more and more every day. And basically what I do is, well, I, I read what I've written that day into my phone. And then I post the videos on both pages. And I also write what I hope are uplifting and uh, is inspirational essays. You know, I, I always tell people, don't watch the news. You know, if you're feeling depressed, try this. Stop watching the news for 24 hours and ask yourself how you feel after. When you watch the news, when we watch the news, we're just inundating ourselves with all the madness and the mayhem of the world. If aliens came to Earth and they studied us based on, on what they saw in the news, they would report back to their home planet that every single one of us was a murdering savage lunatic, right? That's, that's my feeling. I, I'm a recovering news junkie. Yeah. I, I used to watch news religiously, and I listened to a lot of political podcasts, you know, very conservative podcasts. Mm-hmm. And, and I found them to be very engaging and, and stimulating and might give me some ideas for stories, but made me feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Just made me feel like, again, again, like, why, would, why should anyone manifest their bliss in a world where everyone is a savage killer or a betrayer? And, of course, that's not the case at all. I'm sitting in front of a Starbucks right now in Kitsilano, where I live in Vancouver. And you know what I see, Simon? I see peace. Yeah. I see people living their lives, and, yeah. and then, but the news is not going to report that. Yeah, well, I mean, it, they've got to feel headlines, it's drama. Yeah. It's, that's pretty much yeah. it. If you understand how to take it, it's right. context if behind you, it, and you, I think that's you, where... You, yeah, you, know, you can have that separation. Yeah, as long as you don't allow it to undermine what you want to do with your life. But I think it's hard because most of us are sensitive. We possess, uh, most of us possess a scintilla of sensitivity, and I think it's hard to look at this stuff and not have some kind of a reaction. You know, so I, I so my my group page is is called Johnny's Way, and I write these essays that I, that I hope that anyone can benefit from reading. But I think particularly more towards people my age, who are younger, or maybe who are where I was three years ago. Kind because it's very easy to think, oh, I had my twenties, I had my thirties, I had my forties, and mm-hmm. all I wanted to do was go out and get drunk with my buddies every night. And I kept saying to myself, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. You know, when I started doing security in 1985, I met a lot of guys who are my age now, and they all warned me. They're all waving red flags in front of me. It's like, dude, you don't want to be doing this job in your 50s. Well, here I am in my 50s and I'm still doing this job. But yeah. now I have these books. Now I have a goal in my mind's eye, mind's eye that someday I'm going to, someone okay. is going to look at my Indigo page and say, you know this what? Yeah. Lee Hacklin Netflix series. This is what Tree I want to talk to you about. Yeah. So what is your movement then? What's the goal? What's, what, where are you going with this? Because you want to move out of what you're doing. And eventually I'm assuming, yes. is this what you want to be doing Yes. I want to be, I want to be a JK Rowling. I want to be in that league. I want to be someone who's creating something that creates a lot of jobs for a lot of people who love what they're doing. You know, George Lucas, when he was a kid was, was in a terrible, when he got his driver's license, he was in a terrible car accident. I saw the picture of the car that he walked away from. It looked like an accordion. Now imagine an alternate timeline where George Lucas was killed in that accident. That means there's no Star Wars today. That means literally thousands of people around the world, as you and I are talking, are doing something else. But because George Lucas lived, because he believed in himself, I mean, talk about a self-manifester, he got Star Wars off the ground. And by the way, everybody told him that he was crazy. 
I've got read his biography. Everyone, all these movies are done. Nobody wants to see movies about heroes and villains and set in outer space. Are you kidding me? We're not going to invest money in this. And then yeah. he met one man, this one man, Alan Ladd Jr., who's an executive at Fox. Here you go, George. Here's $8 million. Go make your stupid space movie. And it became a phenomenon, right? So if he died in that accident when he was a boy, in that timeline today, Everybody else, all those people that are working with the costume designers, the set designers, and the writers, and yeah. the actors, and the video game designers, and the comic book artists, they're all doing something different. I guarantee you, and you already know this, all of those people, because of George Lucas and his faith in himself, they all love what they're doing. And, and I think that's important. I want to live in a world, I mean, it's never going to be a paradise, and it shouldn't be a paradise, because if it was a paradise, then there would be no purpose to our lives. You know, we're always going to have our hills to climb, but I want to live in a world where more and more people feel free to be themselves. And, you know, take off that straight jacket, take that piece of duct tape off your mouth mm. and just spit yourself out into the world. And if they criticize you, then then that's good because they're they're reacting to what you're putting out there. Yeah, right? I love it. I love it. Have you given yourself a time? Like, do you have you broken no. it down as to like when I want to? step away from what I'm doing and when I want no to No way. There's no, okay. there's nothing to step away from. I mean, there's everything to step away from. This, yeah. this is my goal. You know, I want to see these characters on the big screen or on yeah. a small screen or a graphic novel. I've reached out to comic book artists. I actually met one comic book, comic book artist who drew Lee Hacklin. I said, well, he looks like Jan Michael Vincent, that actor from the 1980s. That's what I have in my mind. And he actually did it. He didn't charge me anything. And he put it on his Facebook page. And I lost my mind. It was like, it's just, it's just so wonderfully satisfying to see something that you created, you know, manifested in a more, in a more physical form. So my, in my, my fantasy, which is very attainable is one day I'm going to call a young actor, some ridiculously young actor. I'm going to say, Brad, I've got bad news and good news. The bad news is you're going to die someday. The good news is you're Lee Hacklin, you know, get used to wearing bell bottoms and growing your hair long and feathered. And you better like 70s music. <laughs> That's my dream. You know, John Leister, executive producer, based on a novel by John Leister, based on characters created by John Leister. That's what I want. And if it doesn't happen, if I never ring that bell, it doesn't matter because I'm on the journey. Yeah. Now, that's impressive how you value the journey. And I think that's an important part because things are going to go wrong along the way. Yeah. No matter what you think and no matter how you perceive it, it's just taking those on board, taking the challenges, because if you're not prepared to take that, then obviously it's probably not worth starting that journey, to be honest. It's just there's too many things that, that happen along the way. And, yeah, you've, you've explained it pretty well. And you said you've just embraced it. And, yeah, you just run with it and go with the flow pretty much. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. And never be afraid to ask people to help you. Yeah. No, That's it's important. important. That's right. That's one thing I've learned is you can't do anything on your own, in my opinion. No. I think it's, um, and that's why I asked you that question. I was surprised, to be honest, with your answer when you said you haven't got someone um, who can actually mentor you or, or guide you who might be a little bit ahead of you to get you right. to where you want to go because you've obviously you've defined your, your goal. This is where you want to go. You want to be a professional writer. And I would have thought that you would have had someone who was like a go-to person or a you know, a circle of people that call them advisors or mentors or who, whatever you want to call them, but some sort of proximity of people who are in that profession or in that space that you are associating with. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm friends with a lot of professional writers on Facebook. Okay. Yeah. And uh, uh, one guy uh, actually read one of my books and sent me a very detailed review 
one of the, my like my all time favorite emails. Like, yes, somebody actually read one of my books, and he was very positive. And but he pointed out some things that he thought, like for example, he said you rely too much on dialogue, and I said, you know, guilty as charged. But no, I mean, I, I my mentor is, I mean, I'm 57. You know, yeah. I, I like to think that I've you know, you, I've been around the block a few times. I'm basically my own mentor. Mm. I'm, I'm open and trying new things and trying different things. I mean, when I started doing this, I was just, I just jumped into the deep end of the pool and yeah. splashed around. I, I didn't even know about that, that, that there were, there are other platforms. Like I'm not using Amazon now. I'm using, I'm using draft to digital. And what they do is they, I mean, someday I may, I may use something different. Yeah. But what draft to digital does is they springboard your books to different platforms. Like there's Kobo and Barnes and Noble and Apple. So all of my books are available on like six or seven different platforms that, that stem from this draft to digital. And the first yeah. book I, I posted on draft to digital took me like 10 minutes. It was like, click, click, boom, there is your, and that, and that's a thing sometimes, you know, if, if what, you know, you know, the definition of insanity is trying to do the same thing over yeah, and over is. again and expecting a different result, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. you've got to have a plan B, a plan C, you try something different. And, and like you said about mentoring, yeah, I mean that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, I'm reaching out to people like yourself. Yeah, and exchanging ideas. Yeah, and and just and just getting and just you know sharing and learning at the same time. Yeah, hopefully. Two, two more. <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's, well, I, I just love connecting and hearing different perspectives because yeah, I'm always learning something as well. Having listened to you today, and I, I did a podcast yesterday with another, another gentleman, and it's amazing what you learn when you ask questions and you just let people talk. So. That's yeah. what I love about this, these dialogues. I think it's, it's very valuable. And, it, and I'm sure people get something out of it as well. They might be thinking about doing something, which is going to bring me to my last two questions that I want to ask you to wrap this up. The first one okay. is a lot of people listening to this, like I said, they want to do something. They want to shift where they are and they want to move towards where they, where they prefer to be. But there's no doubt a lot of fear there. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's existing behaviors that probably aren't serving them in your case it was the sugar addiction for some people yeah. it could be alcohol drugs could be could be anything really but what's the one thing i know you said you reached out to god but what if people listening aren't religious is there something yeah. yes is there an analogy really, or some other way you really, could word that where they could actually start moving into their yes, own i actually I actually wrote about this on my, on my Johnny's way. I wrote an essay today okay. and, and addressed this subject. Look, if you don't believe in God, if it's too esoteric for you, I get it. it, it you look, if it turns out that when I die, it's like being asleep without dreaming. It doesn't matter. Like, I won't know. How would I know? Right. All I know is that my faith works for me. Now, if it doesn't work for you, then I would suggest this. Imagine the person who loves you the most or someone that you love the most is watching you all the time. 24 hours a day and imagine how they feel while you're drinking a six pack of beer every night or sticking a needle into your arm or pounding down junk food. And meanwhile, there's so much going on in your head that you're keeping, keeping locked up in a cage. Imagine what you're doing to them. Never mind what you're doing to yourself. If, if you're doing what you're doing to yourself, if, if, you're, if you're content with that, think about what it's doing to other people. I'm sure that a lot of my family and friends over the years looked at they, I'm sure they must have had this this conversation you know gosh how come John's working security he seems like an above average smart he's not that he's not the maybe he's not the sharpest tool in the shed but yeah. maybe he's yeah. not the dullest tool in the shed either you know he's got one or two things going on in his brain and yet he's just content to live this you know nine to five punch the clock 
you know, and then do the, do the exact same thing the next day. Like, what's there's going nothing on? Nothing wrong with that, though. Like, there's I don't think there's no. anything wrong with that at all. The issue, yeah, the problem well. you had was you wanted to be doing something else, so you've had yeah. this idea in your head and you weren't acting on it. I think that's where the big problems start yes. to happen. You know? Yeah. So I, I would tell your listeners, or I would suggest, if you don't believe in God, then just imagine whoever it is in your life that you love the most that they're watching you, and imagine what you're doing to them while you're punishing yourself you know, with your addiction. I mean, if you have, if you have a serious addiction, like, like alcoholism or drug addiction, then, then you need professional help, obviously, but to, to yeah. get that professional help, you know, that might be a, a baby step in the right direction. You just think about, never mind what you're doing to yourself. What are you doing to, what are you doing to the world? Mm. You know, are you, are you leaning the world closer to hell, you know, or, or figurative hell, or are you leaning the closer more towards the light? And I like to think that since I started doing this at the risk of sounding a little self-aggrandizing, I like, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I, I like to think that I'm tilting the world, the whole world, a little closer to the light, just based on what I'm doing right now. Yeah. That's a great answer, because man. Well, yeah. Well worded. Yeah. Thank you. And it makes sense. It's logical. It makes sense. Anyone can take what you just said and use that. To make the world a better place, not not even for yourself, but if you've got kids or you've got someone that loves you, so yeah. it's a it's a good analogy and it's a great way to put it. So what I want to finish off with, this is all about overcoming limitations, and I ask everyone this question to to finish up, and that is about the term limitless or being limitless. It's different for everyone, and I believe everyone's got their this ability to tap into their potential. But what does it mean for you to be limitless? I'm feeling a little on the spot right now. Well, I mean, I feel limitless right now. I mean, let's put it, put it another way. If I felt limited, if I had all these restrictions, then I wouldn't be doing this right now. I feel limitless right now. I'm, I'm sharing my body. I work out, I lift weights and I post videos on my Facebook page. I'm sharing my heart, mind, body, and soul with the world every day. Now, why do I do it? Partly I do it because I'm lonely. You know, I, I don't like that. That, that was, the, that was the, 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 the genesis of all of this was my feel. I was just spending too much time by myself. I mm. need to be around other people and I need to be inspired by other people. And I like to think that I'm inspiring other people. So, I mean, my limitations, I have no desire to ride a motorcycle or a bungee jump or, yeah. or you know, be a daredevil. I don't want to do any of that stuff. If other people want to do that stuff, that's great. Good for them. I'm doing everything that I want to do in my life right now. And whatever it is that I don't have, I like to think that I'm, I'm, I'm moving in that direction. So I, I feel limitless right now. Just, I mean, I look at my Indigo page and I look at all these books and I don't know if they have any literary value, but that's something that I willed into existence. And like I said, I finished another one today. I, I feel limitless right now. And, and the, limit, the limitations that we pose on ourselves, you know, a lot of it is we just buy into the information that other people give us, especially when we're kids. If you're a kid and you you grow up feeling insecure, my I, I bet you'll be more likely you'll become an insecure adult. If you're a very cocky and confident kid, you'll be a cocky and confident adult. So we have these obstacles that we overcome, and and, and we only have a short period of time to do it. We, we, none of us knows in advance how much time we have. I could die in the next five seconds. I could have a heart attack in ten minutes. You know, I have that in my mind's eye now. So I. I, I I don't see myself as a limited person at all. I see myself as limitless right now, at least in terms of my, my creativity. Yeah. Excellent. Where can people find you? Where's the best place they can reach out and see some of your stuff? We're going to put this in the show notes so that people can get access and have a look. That's what they want to do. 
my my thank you so much simon my my facebook page is called john leister j-o-h-n-l-e-i-s-t-e-r yeah. and my group page is called johnny's way anybody's welcome to join my indigo page if you go to indigo.ca and if you type in john leister you can see all my books and you can sample some of my stuff for free and my email is john leister 611 at hotmail.com and i would be more than happy and i've done this before time time permitting because i have a full-time job but I, I would be more than happy to email anyone uh, one of my books or one of my short stories for some critical feedback. Awesome. John, thanks a yeah. lot for joining me. I, I really you. appreciate it. Appreciate you freeing up the time. I know, you know there's a bit of a time difference from where you hmm. are. What time is it there? It's, um, let me see now. It's 20 after five in the afternoon. Okay. So what are we here? We're in 9.50 a.m. So there and you you're go. in Adelaide, right? In Adelaide in South Australia. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. where my girlfriend lives. Whereabouts in Adelaide does she live? Do you know? I, I don't know her exact street address. Okay. She'll probably kill me. If I'm not going to give it out. But no, no, I, no that's all right. That's, I mean, that's another thing. I I didn't. I, I, I just ha- had it in my mind's eye that I was going to die single. You know, yeah. I didn't have it in my mind's eye that I would ever have another relationship again. And now I do. And she's into all the geek, geek, geeky stuff, all the, the, the Marvel movies. And she's got a poster of Avengers Endgame. She has a Star Trek The Next Generation uniform that she wore to a convention. You know, she's got, got a great job and two great kids. But anyway, yeah, I, I really won the lottery meeting this gal, and I hope we can make it work. Have you been over here yet? No. I'll tell you something. Your Huntsman Spiders. <laughs> oh, it's, it's overrated, man. It's not that bad. No, she gets them all the time. Nah, it's overrated. There's one in her car one day, running around her car, like something out of Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you come over here, you have to let me know, okay? I will. Make sure, sure you reach out to me. Love so, yeah. Cares. Yeah, good on Sounds you. Good. Awesome. Absolutely. Thanks. Thanks again, well, man. I mean, if Nikki and I get married, and I hope we do, you're certainly invited. I'd love to come. I hope to see you there. Yeah. I'll be there. All right. All right, my Thanks. friend. Thank you so much. I really appreciate this. Thanks I love a lot, this. man. Thank you. All right. Good luck. Bye. Thank you so much for listening, guys. If you got value from this, please give us a like and a subscribe. And also share this with someone who you think may benefit having listened to it as well. I wish you all the very best in chasing what is your own version of your limitless potential.